you need to make darn sure that everyone's on the same page. Both, you know, both of the spouses agree, and they're both 100% comfortable with that. It can be done, but at the same time, that can certainly be uh, contentious. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. I'm looking forward to today's episode of Complete Estate Planning. We're talking about a, a topic that uh, is going to be very interesting to hear from Nick on. It's, it's estate planning for blended families. And this is a challenge. I think to put it quite frankly, this is a very challenging one for Nick. And then it's also for the families as well, trying to come to a solution on how you pass along your assets to children from yeah, different backgrounds and families. And it, and it's, <laughs> I can't imagine, Nick, what this is like for you, but I'm, I'm interested to kind of get into this conversation and find out the challenges and, and if there are solutions to a lot of these cases. Well, there are solutions to it. Um, and this is where, I guess, Ben, I don't know if you've heard the old phrase, attorney and counselor at law, that, that, that you pro- was probably more common a number of years ago. Not really. This yeah. is where the counselor side comes in. Okay. okay. We're not worried about legal, technical aspects, but what do we do in this situation? And then what have other families done and, and, and made them happy? What are their options? What are the pros and cons of each? So this is more the art if you will, than the science of estate planning. And to be honest, this is where someone who knows what they're doing is a self-serving comment, obviously, but this is where the rubber really meets the road. And having a tour guide or an expert to walk you through this, this is where they are worth their weight in gold and you know, who knows, maybe can uh, can save you uh, from from having a fight with your spouse. Very true. Well, our expert, our guide for today's podcast is Nick Rosenbauer. You just heard him, but he is a estate planning attorney and the owner of Rosenbauer Law Office, and he always provides us the insight and guidance on this show. And look, if you want to get in touch with him, it's very simple, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. Very easy website to remember. And when you're on there, it's very simple as well. You'll see a button right there on the front, schedule a call with Nick. And you just click that and you can set up a time to to chat with him and discuss these things or whatever is on your mind or begin the state planning process, whatever it is. The button's right there on his website. Very easy to get in touch with him. So let's jump into it, Nick. And I want to get into this conversation because it's, it's a little bit of drama involved in these cases, I think, many times. So it's it makes for good listening. So that's what I'm looking forward to today. Maybe that's a little self-serving for me, but here's kind of where we are. But let's start off with the scenarios. Kind of what are the scenarios in this case? Kind of give me some background before we actually get into the issues. Okay, absolutely. So when we when we refer to a blended family, what we are specifically referring to is a situation where we have a married couple and not all of the children are joint children. So not all of the children have the same mom and dad. Okay, obviously a situation where like like my wife and I, we have one child together, that's it. So I think some situations like that we get off easy. Okay, my wife and I, we have one child. We both love him. It's my son, it's her son. So everything goes to 
my son after my wife and I pass away. So that's that's piece of cake. That's easy. Um, at least the who gets how much. Scenario like this, a um, couple different ways we could go where it's typically a situation with, with a second marriage. Um, is usually, the, not always, but this is usually where it comes into play. Scenarios here could be where husband and wife both have separate children uh, from a previous relationship, and that's it. So maybe maybe husband has one kid and the wife has two kids, something like that. Okay. Another situation that can be even more complicated is, let's say, husband has a couple kids, maybe wife has a child, and they also have a joint child. So typically, this does not happen when people get remarried later in life. Just right. practically speaking, you get remarried at age 50, you're probably not having more children. Usually not. But if we have separate children and a joint child, so we have his, hers, and ours. The third one, uh, which I think can be the most imbalanced, is if maybe there are joint children involved and only one spouse maybe has child has a child or children from a separate relationship. So maybe there's two children that are ours, and then husband has a child maybe from a previous relationship. Wife doesn't. Okay, so those are the scenarios. Both have uh, separate his and hers. We have his, hers, and ours, and then we have maybe his and ours only, or <laughs> hers and ours only. So that's what we're referring to here when we talk about some sort of a blended family. Okay, yeah, I didn't really think of all those different scenarios. So those are some tricky cases and, and situations to be in. So I could see where some issues will pop up when you're sitting down with these couples and trying to determine how to set up the estate plan. What is the first issue that typically you're faced with? Well, I think the first one is decision makers. So who's going to be in charge of something if something happens to you? And again, this depends on whether or not uh, how well the family gets along with each other. Now, I think all of these actually depend on the relationship uh, between the families and how they get along, not just this one. But we have a number of a number of different ways to look at it. Um, and when we talk about decision makers, we're talking about not only taking care of you if you get sick, but also who's in charge of managing your estate or your inheritance after you're gone. So you know we can have a situation where you know husband's family, takes care of him and his affairs, and wife's family takes care of her and her affairs, which you know, typically you would have to do things separately. It's the only way to do that. But then it turns into almost, uh, like I said, everything has to be separate here. And one thing to keep in mind, forget the inheritance plan. Could there be some friction? Let's say if, you know, if, uh, if husband gets sick, who who takes care of the husband and makes decisions and talks to the doctor and decides what to do as far as treatment? Is it, you know, from the from the wife's standpoint, the wife's going to want to do that, right? But from the children's standpoint, and again, this is worst case scenario here, and this may this may sound vulgar, but what if there's a 35-year-old son or daughter who says, I, I should be doing it? You know, my dad got remarried two years ago. Okay, uh, I've been, you know, I'm dad's child, so I should be doing it. So there could be some conflict there, um, but that's one option where um, uh, husband's 
family takes care of his affairs. Wife's family takes care of her affairs. Obviously, that keeps everything separate. So that's not always a good thing. And to be honest with you, I'm assuming if you get married, you probably like each other. I, I hope that's a <laughs> I hope I hope that's hope a fair so. assumption. So again, doesn't happen all the time, but in order to say, you know, my family takes care of my affairs, you are also telling your spouse, husband or wife, you will not be taking care of my affairs. So you know that's you know that can be a little bit uh, that can be a little bit sketchy to do something like that. Another option, again, this only usually works if everyone's on the same page, everyone has great relationships, and the children have great relationships, is if the husband and wife can come up with some sort of joint decision-making plan, okay? So if we have a situation where we both want this child, whether it's a joint child or his child or her child or whomever, this is who—so kind of a united front— so we can say, this is the person we want to handle everything. And typically, if there are separate and joint children, usually kind of a, a neutral ground, so to speak, as well. This is our joint child, so we can both agree that this person would have our best interests at heart for both husband and wife. That's certainly an option. Or, you know, if, if it's a second marriage and the person you married has great children that you get along with and everyone seems to get along with each other, there's nothing saying you can't name a stepchild to take care of things. So that's that's perfectly reasonable, can, can absolutely be done. Usually that's the easiest, and usually that means everyone uh, is getting along well. doesn't always happen. You could have a team, and it's almost a competing interest here, but we've done this for certain reasons, have maybe two decision makers act together, one from each side of the family. Okay, so so Ben, it would be a situation where maybe your son, um, let's say you have five kids and your, your wife has five kids, you know, one of your children and one of your wife's children act together as a team. So your interests are looked out for and taken care of, same with hers. Again, Ben, you can probably see how that could go wrong if the two families don't get along very well. Yeah. But at the same time, on the flip side of it, you don't have the anxiety of something happens to me, it's going to be someone, you know, one of my step-family members who maybe doesn't care as much about me, isn't emotionally invested in me, or heck, maybe not even like me. I'm not going to act like there hasn't been situations where people, you know, don't get along with their step parents. Uh, I mean, shoot, people don't get along with their parents. It happens all the time. Yeah. So again, you can do it. There's a right and a wrong reason to do that. You have to really look at it and be honest with yourself and say, how are these two people going to get along and work together? And you have to be very brutally honest about how that's going to look in real life. Right. Okay, it sounds great on paper. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The other option here could be a situation where you pick a third party. Okay, maybe someone besides the children. You get a neutral decision maker. A couple different ways you can go. Obviously, if we're looking at individual people, you can look at extended relatives, uh, maybe siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins, things like that, or friends. Another option, you could have professionals. 
Okay, so the bank and the investment company, things like that, they can serve as a professional trustee or a professional executor. The good thing about that, I think, is they're not emotionally involved, and I think they don't have a dog in the fight, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, let's let's be honest. You know, if something happened and maybe your your dad passed away and you didn't love your stepmom, you would you would want to vouch for your parent, just as naturally. And I'm not saying this to make anyone seem like a scumbag, but you would want to vouch naturally for your parent and make sure your dad's wishes were carried out, your dad's money uh, was protected um, and saved for your family, even if it was against you know uh, you know if it was to the detriment of your stepparent which I can see as a natural reaction. Maybe it's not what your dad wanted. So if you just have someone who doesn't have a dog in the fight, then maybe they can think clearly, they can think logically, not be emotionally involved. And to be honest with you, Ben, I think there's something to be said for having to work with these people and go through this and still be afraid of what happens when you sit down for Thanksgiving dinner. Okay, that's a whole heck of a lot different than, let's say, if you have a professional who, my job is to settle this estate the way my clients asked me to, Mm -hmm. and I don't worry about hurting people's feelings because I'm not going to have Christmas, I'm not going to do a white elephant gift exchange with these people in a couple (laughs) months. Okay, so there's something to be said to not having a dog in the fight, so I think that's something to look into. I think one of the times work can get very imbalanced is if one of if one of the spouses uh, does not have any children, doesn't have anyone who's their descendant, isn't, um, I guess, emotionally invested in them. Okay, so let's say husband has three kids, wife does not have children. Well, now what? Okay, if they get along great, then husband's children can maybe take care of can take care of the wife as well, if it's more of an our children, if they call her mom, things like that. But what if husband's children and the wife are not maybe extremely close and extremely emotionally attached to each other? Then what happens? Um, so, you know, we have, to, we have to keep in mind who will be there to take care of someone in this scenario. And that's just to get, decision ma- to get the decision makers figured out. Ben, we haven't even given away any inheritance yet. So let's talk about that. The big, I think this is the kind of the, the elephant in the room is how do you handle this situation? How do you split it up? Because with all the different scenarios you mentioned, there's a lot of different ways this could go. Yeah, I, I lost count a number of different ways this can go. I would say the most common ways, and I'm not going to say this is the right way or the wrong way, because none of these are necessarily the right way or the wrong way. Yeah, This is a true, it depends scenario. Maybe that's helpful, maybe it's not, but typically this is where the rubber hits the road and we start going over options with the client so they understand everything that's available to them and they decide what makes the most sense for their family based on what they have available. The two ways that I see most common are everything is ours, our family. So equal shares to all of our children, regardless of whose children they are, if they're his, hers, or ours, you know, five five equal shares, no matter where they came from and who the biological parents are and who the step parents are. 
Sometimes that's doable. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it makes sense and it's fair. Sometimes it isn't. And you also have to make sure that both spouses are comfortable and agree with it. That's an option. Another option is half of the money after both spouses pass away are to husband's family, however many kids he has, and the other half goes to wife's family. So is it equal shares to his and her family as opposed to equal shares to all children? Right. That can imbalance things. Let's say husband has one child, wife has two. So then husband's child gets 50%, wife's children each get 25%. So each family got half, but they did not get equal shares of the pie. Is that the right answer? Okay, again, I can argue that's a yes and no as well. Here's another one, and I will say this is probably the one that gets the most contentious, but I can't tell you it's the wrong answer because sometimes it's not, um, where the husband and wife will allocate a percentage to his family and her family uh, based on, I guess, a a split uh, or a division that they both think is fair and equitable, perhaps based on what they brought into the marriage. Okay, so let's say they got married in their late 50s. Um, husband didn't have a lot of money. Wife already had two houses and a big 401k and was well-established. They may say, well, the majority of this was wife's money, so wife's children should get the majority of this, and then the husband's family should only get what would have been from their dad, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes that works. Uh, Ben, my guess is you can see how sometimes that conversation (laughs) can be a little contentious. A little awkward there, yeah. Well, exactly. Now, if we get into something like that, I typically recommend separate trusts or separate plans to where husband's money stays segregated for husband's family and wife's does as well. I think that's usually better than commingling it. And we put everything together, and then whenever it's over, 30% of whatever's left goes to husband's kids, and 70% goes to wife's kids. You can, and I've done it, okay? But you need to make darn sure that everyone's on the same page. Both both of the spouses agree, and they're both 100% comfortable with that. It can be done, but at the same time, that can certainly be uh, contentious. Also... What if there are joint and separate children? Then my, you know, husband's side versus wife's side has a third player involved. Okay, so do we give half to husband's side, half to wife's side? What about this joint child? Do we treat the joint child more favorably because that's my child and your child. Yeah. So does the joint child get more than the separate children? I I don't know. This can certainly make things uh, even more hairy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing to look at is what if one of the spouses has no children? So where would, let's say the husband doesn't have any children, the wife has three children. Now what? Would the husband want to give everything to people who are not his children? 
you know, it's his stepchildren, but how does he view... I think it all comes down to how you view them. Some people say, these are our children, this is our family, right? and they're all in. And that's okay. That's a whole lot different than, well, you know, I, I got remarried later in life, I love my wife, I love her children, but they're also not my children. I want to leave my money to my family. Now what do we do? Okay, so there's another thing that can change where some of the money goes to children, some of it goes to probably extended family, since there's no children or grandchildren on the side of a spouse uh, who doesn't have any descendants of their own. Yeah. And so, Ben, you you can see, and out of the two different uh, issues here, which one would you guess between decision makers and the inheritance plan, which one do you think is probably the the tougher minefield to navigate? Inheritance plan sounds... Very dicey. Yeah, and you have to sit there and say, how much of our estate am I responsible for, and how much of it are you responsible for? I don't know. I think there's some guys who get awful bold and really (laughs) have have kind of inflated egos uh, that feel like, you know, they they brought, uh, you know, they're the only reason that there's any money. They're, They're braver than I am. Let's put it that way. My wife, you know, I used to joke, you know, that uh, she runs the house. I mean, it's not a joke, but I I also married up. So I think, you know, when you do that and you, you know, kind of, you you know, you're you're punching above your weight, if that makes sense. Um, You got to understand your place in line and know that my wife could leave (laughs) me tomorrow and do better. So, you know, but at the same time, you know, something you have to have the conversation I'm bringing more value into this marriage than you are, and that's that's dicey. Yeah, okay? I, I would not want to hear that reaction. <laughs> no, that's but my but, wife. But at the same time, it, it's not all bad. Yeah. Because I think part of getting married a second time, when you have previous uh, relationship or previous marriage or previous children, or just getting married later in life, even if it's a first marriage, you've been established. Okay, so you've already created something either by yourself or with someone else previously. So it's tough, but I also think people, you know, a lot of my clients from uh, from blended families, they actually do a lot better with this than you would think. And I think part of the reason is they knew what they were doing getting into this. Okay, so when you right. get married later in life, when you've already built something on your own, I think you already understand some of, you know, some of the the decisions that'll have to be made. So I, you know, most of my clients they do a heck of a job with this better than I would think. This probably isn't the first time they've had to deal with something like this. I think it's something that they've already had to deal with before and they're 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 usually more prepared than you would think. But like I said, some of these can be can be dicey if if both spouses are not on the same page. Yeah, I can definitely see that for sure. So we got decision makers and then inheritance plan, the first two issues. I guess the third one is what happens when spouse passes? What's the situation there? Well, here's where you have to look at if one spouse passes, is the surviving spouse able to make changes? And and normally, well, not normally, I would say a lot of times, you want to give as much flexibility as possible. Okay, so if my wife died tomorrow, my wife and I, we have an estate plan set up to where I can make changes because my hope is as my son gets older, 
you know, 30 years from now, if he's a good, responsible uh, adult, I would probably want him to be in charge of things and making decisions and taking care of me instead of, you know, maybe a sibling or a friend or a family member or something like that. Okay, but I don't know that yet, but it would be silly to not allow me to make changes in the future because life changes. Okay, I'm not even I'm not even 40 years old yet. But at the same time, what if there are relationship issues between the two families? Okay, so when we have joint and separate children, um, what if there is a relationship issue between the husband, let's say the husband survives here, and the wife's children? And we have this joint plan that says when both of us die, it goes four equal shares. And let's say that uh, the wife's children, they don't come around anymore, they don't talk to their stepfather since mom's passed away, and and heck, they may be resentful, saying this should be our money, but we're watching our stepfather get a bigger house, go on vacations, get a country club membership, things like that. And and I think it's a natural reaction. I don't think that the, uh, the, the children are doing anything wrong, but they could sit there and say, wow, stepdad is blowing mom's money and our inheritance. And then can you blame stepdad if he says, well, I... They've said mean things about me. I haven't seen them since mom passed away. They've completely abandoned me. I don't know if I want to leave them a big inheritance. Can you blame them, anyone here in that scenario, for how they're acting? I don't don't know that I would act differently. But at the same time, there could be a level of fear that if I die first— and my children have a falling out with my wife, my wife could cut my children out and change the plan and leave everything to her side of the family, and my children get nothing. Any idea at all how that could get contentious, Ben, or or does that sound like a walk in the park? (laughs) I'm just trying to wrap my mind around this entire conversation and everything that's got to be determined and worked through and, and agreed upon and mediated and and everything else it's like it's a lot and i and i don't envy you and i you know i don't envy the the couple that has to have these conversations but you know i can't i can't think of the alternative where you don't have these conversations and get these things worked out ahead of time because then it could really really get ugly for your family you're exactly right and you have to have the tough conversations now so the kids don't have to have them after you're gone yeah. Um, and also, do you would you want to set your wife up to be in a battle with your children, or no. would you want to yeah. set your children up to have to battle with your spouse? Right. Of course not. Like you know, selflessly, you want to make sure that everyone's taken care of and things are set in stone. I've heard, and Ben, you've probably heard a million stories where someone, you know, maybe a relative passes. Uh, away and their spouse, you know, like if your aunt passes away young, your uncle gets remarried and then leaves everything to his new wife. And then the wife goes around town spending all of your uncle's money and leaving it to her children. Oh, yeah. And or giving it to her children. And then your cousins or your family ends up with nothing. Yeah, you okay, see it happens. kind of stories, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's not even necessarily through malice. It could be. I mean, you hear the things about the the gorgeous women marrying the 80-year-old billionaires. We know what we're doing here. But even without doing that, 
when we get married, typically it's our money, our finances, and your spouse passes away, typically it's still yours. And so you can set things up in such a way to restrict the spouse's ability to change it, but it can be very burdensome on the surviving spouse. And you have to be careful locking the surviving spouse in to not being able to make changes. It can be done, but understand the consequences. And honestly, Ben, it depends how old you are. If you lose your spouse at 88 and maybe you have another year to live, that's a whole lot different than if you lose your spouse at 38 and we need to predict the future for another 40 years. Um, So I think the older you get, the easier this is just because, you know, naturally speaking, we don't need this plan. We don't need to future-proof. We don't need to project as far out. You know, if this happened at age 28, my goodness, good luck telling me exactly how you want everything to play out and predict the future from 60 years from now. There's just no way you can do it. number of things you can do, you can lock some of the money. Uh, I've had some clients, if they do totally separate plans, let's say husband and wife both are well-established, when husband dies, his money just goes right to his kids, and, and you actually don't leave an inheritance to your spouse. And that may sound harsh, but if you don't need it, then then why would you create trouble? Um, I think that keeps the peace. Um, another option is to give all of it to the surviving spouse, which I guess is the natural way to do it, and hope the surviving spouse keeps things the same. You can obviously... You can handcuff the surviving spouse a little bit and leave it all to them, but they have restrictions on being able to change the inheritance plan. The last thing you can do, and I and I think this is kind of a nice balance, we'll have clients say, everything stays with my surviving spouse, but I'm going to give a small distribution to my kids right away just so they get something no matter what, and they don't have to wait, and they're not you know, waiting on my wife to die to get the rest of my inheritance, and there's no friction there. You know, so let's say 10% goes to my children right now, and the other 90% stays with my spouse. So that way I feel good that my kids got something, and they didn't have to sit there waiting for my wife to die. And even if my wife has a huge falling out with my children and cuts them out, I know my children got something. So I think that's kind of a happy medium, and I think we've actually had a lot of clients that love the way that plays out. Well, some good information and some things to think about. And if you're somebody that's considering getting remarried or you're about to get remarried, maybe have some of these conversations and go through some of these things ahead of time, kind of be on the same page before you get married. We know finances is a a big reason why a lot of couples fight and argue and ultimately sometimes get divorced. And you know, these these things get even deeper when you have a blended family. So it's important to work through those. But, you know, it's even more important to sit down with an estate planning attorney like Nick to go ahead and, and get these things sorted out and agreed upon and on paper and ready to go for your children. So a couple of ways you can get in touch with Nick again. CincinnatiEstatePlan.com is the website. When you're on there, you'll see right on the front the button to schedule a call, request a consultation for your family, whatever it is. The button's right there. Click it. And you can get in touch with, with Nick that way and, and start working through these issues because there's a lot to discuss, Nick. And I might have to go back through and listen to this episode again. There's so much to it and there's so much information, but it's all very helpful. Yeah. And it's one of those things. It's a tough conversation to have. But just to let all of our listeners know, it needs to be had now. 
before someone passes away and it's too late. The issues and the what-ifs need to be sorted out now. And this is, like I said, where the rubber meets the road. This is where a good estate planning attorney who does this every single day can be the best tour guide. There are options. There are ways to do it. Okay, we've done it. I lost count eight years ago, you know, for how many times I've had to go through this with people. Get someone to guide you through it. Here's the options. Here's the pros and the cons of each and understand your situation. Here's what I think the best ways to do. So there are options. There's ways to do it. It's just you will probably have to put some more thought and conversation into it than maybe someone that doesn't have these you know, concerns where not all the children are joint. And I, I don't envy them. I'm here to help them. You know, I, I know for myself, uh, I feel lucky. You know, my, my wife and I, we just have one child together. He's still cute at this point. <laughs> you know, he, he's getting into the toddler phase, so he's still very happy, but he's getting into the temper tantrums if you tell him no and if he doesn't get what he wants. So, you know, the terrible twos, I guess, and, and people say that goes into their third year as well. We're getting glimpses of that. So six months from now, my wishes may completely change. Check back with me then. But for right now, you know, we still love him. You know, we set it aside for him. No issues. It's just it's not another thing. It's not a balancing act that we have to worry about, at least for today. Now, right. like I said, six months from now when he's, you know, having meltdowns at everything all the time, I may I may change my tune. But at the same time, you know, like I said, don't hide from them. A lot of people yeah. hide from these conversations. It doesn't solve the problem. I'll tell yep. you what, it feels a heck of a lot better when we've gone through it and we've figured it out. So we're here for you. We can help out. We do this all the time. Make sure you work with someone who does this every day because that's where you'll get the best advice. You'll get all the options and you'll ultimately be able to make the right decision for you. Yep. And that's the, that's the result we want to see. So. Thanks, Nick, for going through this with us. And thank you for listening to Complete Estate Planning. Hit subscribe for us. We'd love to have you get that next episode in a couple of weeks delivered right to you. But more conversation coming. I don't know if we'll get as deep as we did today because this is a very unique situation, but a very important one. And one we don't think about oftentimes with estate planning. So thanks for taking us through it, Nick, today. Absolutely, Ben. Uh, always a pleasure and sorry to... Uh you know, to get into such a deep emotional one today. But uh, like I said, I think it's a good conversation to have and uh, we'll catch you next time. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office based in Westchester, Ohio and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.